welcome everyone to another episode of uh, Codirance Talks. We are going to be talking today about uh, pair programming. And before we do that, we are going to introduce uh, all new people on the on the podcast. So, do you want to start? Yeah, hi. I'm, uh, I'm Alastair. Uh, I'm currently a software craftsman for Codirance. I'm Matsy, and I'm also a software craftsman for Codirance. Hi, I'm Lawrence, and funnily enough, I'm a software <laughs> craftsman for Codurance. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you all know me be from before, Jorge. Um, before uh, we start with the proper part of uh, of talking about the pair programming. <laughs> um, uh, okay, let's gonna let's gonna get this. Well, I find the name of the of the person. Um, Pair programming. What is pair programming? Who wants to answer that question? For the record, ping pong is the idea that when you're pairing, one of you will write a failing test, write the implementation that passes that test, and then you switch driver navigator at that point. So the navigator becomes a driver, writes another failing test, writes another implementation, and that way you can very quickly switch and keep up your pace. I mean, at face value. At face value. That's just Why the, not? The, the words which they've put together. Um, I suppose pair, pair, pair programming is the process of uh, two programmers or uh, developers uh, or even just people working on the same code at the same time. Uh, there are more formal terms there, but pair programming basically means two people working on a piece of code together in whatever capacity they offer, I suppose. Yeah, at face value, as I say. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Uh, you have all your different patterns for doing it but principally it's you get two programmers working on the same problem and with any luck it, it leads to better quality software uh, more thorough you can test one another you can keep one another in check yeah i think alice there makes an interesting point there it's not just um two programmers um i think there's examples of you know pairing with uh, your customer so kind of sitting down and, and kind of working on the solution they're looking for um, right there and then with them. Yeah, maybe perhaps a shortening of this is is just pairing, pairing. Um, yeah, and with absolutely. a mind for technological problems, I guess. Yeah. What What is your uh, experience with pair programming? When do you start doing it? Now it's your turn, Lawrence. Yeah, I'm happy to talk on that one. So, um, I can I can talk sort of about my personal experience. So the very first time. Um, anyone even said the word pairing to me um, was a time when I worked in a studio with lots of other freelancers. Um, we all had our own clients, our own jobs, and we had our different um, specialisms. And if I ran into a problem, something I stuck with, sometimes we would talk about it, you know, on a coffee break or whatever. And sometimes another developer would say, oh, well, I can pair with you on that, you know. So they would come over, sit with you, help you write the code together. Um, and this for me was um, kind of nearing on like 10 years ago. Um, so the experience of kind of someone else looking at the code that you're writing was actually quite novel for me. Um, so I, I kind of have that association with it um, as, you know, when you need an extra pair of eyes to solve a problem as, as kind of the most basic. But, um, you know, 10 years later, um, the team that I'm still getting to know, the, the team I'm on at the moment, we're about four weeks, five weeks old, and we're pairing in order to exchange knowledge, in order to make sure um, everyone on the team has an understanding of the different 
themes and the different threads that we're working on and just to kind of have all of that code review that's going to happen inevitably kind of have that um, as early as possible kind of while while it's still efficient to just make little little tweaks and changes um, to suit everyone's kind of opinions. What about you, Matsi? So I first started programming uh, in an e-commerce job and when I first tried it, I wasn't that uh, for it really. I was pairing with, you know, good people, but uh, uh, we had a bit of friction. I don't think anyone was really that fond of pair programming. And uh, it wasn't until a couple of years later or several years later but I started doing it more and more um, as a practice. And where I am now, my current project, I've been doing it for a year, almost every single day. We pair by default on everything, on stories, on spikes. And I've come to find it really, really valuable. We just, we've sorted out all sorts of other practices that help us figure out how to do this well. So we do some ping-ponging some days. We do um, Pomodoro timer. And we make sure that we rotate frequently. So we have a rule that every Wednesday we rotate, rotate pairs or occasionally Thursday, depending on how our tasks align at that time of week. And, uh, and yeah, it works really, really well for us. So I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm probably, uh, of, of the, the four of us around the table, I'm probably the, the one with the least experience. And I think what's interesting is that um, probably I've spent more of my career to date in an environment which is positive towards pairing uh, than maybe you all have. So my first pairing experience, I, I did start off in industry in, in conditions where pairing just wasn't the norm. People didn't like it. It was, you know, it was considered quite intrusive almost. Um, but then I did the apprenticeship with uh, with coherence and pairing ever since and, and quite, quite a formal way too. Um, I think some people have been pairing they don't realise um, mm. and some other people uh, pair regularly but don't have any formal uh, structure to that um, but for me personally uh, pairing after about halfway through my current career um, and pairing since then has always been formal until very recently uh, on the time team I'm currently on it's um, they do pair but not as a default and um, and so I'm actually seeing maybe the flip side to that again now um, but yeah my, my pairing experience is short but quite formal yeah Okay, uh, just uh, for completeness, uh, I have been, before joining Coderance, I've been doing it on and off uh, for a while. It's always <laughs> difficult to convince people to do pair programming, which is something that we can talk about uh, a bit later. What is the thing that you have find most useful from pair programming? Mati? The thing I find most useful from pair programming um, I think a big part of it for me is alertness and productivity. So I've, I, I very distinctly remember a time, maybe four or five months ago, uh, where I spent a day not pairing and by the end of it, I'd uh, not achieved as much as I'd wanted to. I'd felt um, off keel, a bit distracted. And then the next day I paired with someone, uh, with one of my colleagues, and it was so on point. We really, really kept each other in check and focused and uh, whenever we went down a rabbit hole or we got stuck the other one was there to support them so for me that's a big big part of it is just keeping a kind of um, uh, flow basically the pairing flow keeping up your speed mm. your momentum 
I agree with everything Matsy says. I think I think we're probably all going to agree with each other as we say <laughs> this. So, um, but I think for me, it's it's slightly different. Um, as I said, my my experience with parent came from the very beginning from a very formal place, mm. um, and so for me, actually the the benefits of pairing, the biggest one for me personally, is actually the confidence boost you have to then go and do the work, knowing that you've sat with somebody else who's looking at it at the same time and trusting them to say if they think this is a terrible idea. And that's almost like a little bit of a, um, a temperature gauge or, or sort of a, a, a thermometer for how you might expect the rest of the team to to uh, uh, take a perspective on the code you're writing. So for me, it's a pairing is a massive confidence boost. It gives you that... that uh, in a sense of, I'm not the only one thinking this. Uh, I, I definitely feel that somebody would pick me up if I was doing something crazy wrong. So you have the confidence to keep mm-hmm. pushing forwards. Yeah, it's a confidence thing for me for sure. On on a personal personal level, um, I think the focus absolutely number one thing. You know, you, you stop yourself going down rabbit holes. You stay disciplined. You remind yourself of exactly what you're trying to achieve. And yeah, um, but I, I think an, another thing that I'm kind of only starting to realize recently is the the bonds that you form with your teammates um and the way you kind of bring the whole team together um and the you know the if you want to hit a place where you're in a, a high performance team where there's not much resistance no one's kind of pushing back on mm. other people's changes and everyone's kind of coming to similar or compatible conclusions um all the time i think pairing is is one of the fastest ways for um for I, I was going to say for the developers on the team to kind of form those kind of bonds and connections um but in actual fact it it can go beyond just the developers on the team i think project managers get a lot out of being involved in how developers are approaching the stories um you know there's no better way for them to understand um how concerned we are with the business requirements than to kind of see us taking the business requirements as a starting point for the uh for the software we write um so yeah, definitely one of the big benefits. I, I very much agree. One of my, uh, I can add an anecdote to that. When I first started pairing, I, looking back now, I didn't really realize at the time, I realized that the reason we didn't pair so often, the reason we we're much more comfortable working alone, and when we did pair it was only very brief, was because there were underlying problems that we didn't get along that well. Absolutely. Uh, and we should have addressed those straight head on mm. instead of uh, avoiding working together closely. It's, it is a case that it's going to help you, that uh, pair programming will help you in developing those bonds that you didn't have before. Or do you think that uh, you need to develop the, bon- the bonds before you actually are able to do pair programming? I think one of the biggest requirements for successful pairing is trust, first and foremost. Uh, trusting that the person is keeping their eyes open if they're, they are the navigator and you're the driver, um, and not just off doing something else in their own head. Or trusting that they're going to listen to the immediate feedback you're giving if they are the driver and you're the navigator. Now for me, um, I found that sometimes if you don't get on with somebody very well in a social capacity, as in outside of work or just one-to-one, you're not the same kind of person for whatever reason, um, you are likely to be reluctant to start pairing with that person because you re- reserve uh, yourself a little bit. You maybe don't trust them as much and you're less likely to work with them. So I personally think that you have to have some... If you have a pre-existing difficulty with somebody, it's going to be hard to pair with them immediately. You might be able to break that down through pairing, 
but it's going to be hard to immediately jump in and be productive. If you've never met that person before, you've no reason to dislike them or not get on with them, and you start pairing, I think you have a high likelihood of coming out the other side actually getting on with them quite well. Um, if you already know the person, you get on with them really well, I found like instantly pairing works. Mm. Um, case in point being other apprentices uh, I worked with when I first started at Cogerance. I knew them socially before I'd worked with them because I was working remotely uh, to the people in London. and. Um, but I, I got on with them so well that even when I was pairing remotely in, in unfavorable conditions, instantly it was productive. Um, alternatively, there's people I've not known very well and I've worked with face to face, which you would argue would probably like to be more productive. Um, it didn't have that same snap. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there it really depends. But if, if you've got to go in with the right understanding of your social setting with that person, for sure, it's it definitely got something to do with it. Yeah. I've had experiences where pairing's actually been one of the most comfortable ways you can have a relationship with someone you're working with. So, mm -hmm. you know, someone who you don't get coffee together, you don't chat together, you never see each, see each other outside of work, uh, you don't, they don't come to team lunches, whatever it's going to be. Um, but because we're, if, if we're all like skilled professionals and we're all, um, we're all there to do the best job we can. That's the one thing that we can kind of, that's the one thing we have in common, one thing we can all get along on. Um, so when you're pairing together, when you're inviting someone in to see how you work and how dedicated you are and all the things you think about, and when you're observing their dedication and, and their expertise and complementing it and uh, affirming it, that can actually be, you know, the, the only way that you bond with that person. Um, yeah, not not to disagree with what you said before, but mm. that for, that for me is just uh, you know an idea worth considering. That you know, it's it's very hard to um, invite someone to pair with you if they're not someone that you get along with. Mm. But um, you know, it's it's uh, it's a scary thing, but it can definitely it can mean dividends. you can't. It doesn't mean you mm. can't work with them. In fact, mm. it may be as you say the only way you can. I, I, I definitely think that it makes it easier if you do get along with them. Mm. You'd expect. I, actually, I'm gonna. Uh, Talking, uh, following on your, your line of thinking, Lawrence, I, I'm gonna speak this from my my view because I am an actually, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. I don't like <laughs> talking to people that I don't know. I uh, I takes me ages to actually get to know people and be comfortable talking to them. Uh, funny that being in a consultancy. Um, and I, f when I have used it in the past, I have found that because it is not about my relationship with the other person, but what is happening with the code, I actually find it much easier uh, to start talking mm. because it is not about me. It is not about the other person. I don't have to ask the, uh, I don't have to have the, the small chat that I don't do. I just. Let's gonna talk about code. Let's gonna talk about how this is structured. What is the is the name correct? Uh, should be should be using a different logarithm to what we are what we have over here. Algorithm, logarithm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's perfect because you know if, um, imagine you are someone who really doesn't enjoy talking to people, which I think all of us are on certain days at certain times, and if you're pairing with someone. You know, you can throw yourself in, you know, do, to Pomodoro, do, do 20, 25 minutes, like straight, concentrating, takes a lot of energy, but then you can 
you can just break you know you can just the, like the best practice way of doing it is just like right five minute break and immediately like just you know go and do your own thing mm -hmm. come back five minutes later have any of you ever had to pair with somebody you don't trust <laughs> yes and what was your what was your experiences uh i felt it was the only way i felt beforehand it was the only way that we were going to get what we needed done on time and i i kind of stand by that um it probably helps to describe the situation so we we had an analytics specialist um who had his way of doing things um and he wasn't he kind of didn't answer to the same uh boss basically as, as the team that had to deliver this new project but this new project had to go live on time and have um you know an analytics data like joining up to all of their existing reporting tools and everyone who went anywhere near this guy and everything is doing um couldn't trust what he was doing um and the solution was bring him onto the team bring him into stand up pair with him you know and we a we actually end up um forming quite a pleasant relationship you know um didn't keep him on the team any longer than we had to if i'm honest um but uh we we did build up a kind of mutual respect and i think pairing um allowed us to what what we initially did is left the kind of the open plan office and and went into a meeting room and the two of us would just kind of work on it and masks kind of quickly disappeared because mm -hmm. you know when someone's telling you stuff and you know it's not true if you're just in conversation with them it becomes really awkward whereas if you're at a machine coding with them and they're telling you something you know it's not true you can say oh really like i i like i, I didn't expect it would do that can you show me and you know when it doesn't work you go, oh okay that's interesting okay should we should we try what i was talking about um Did and you you know you you enter into a world of truth because mm. it's mm. code rather mm. than um mm. people making stuff there up. is another interesting point around this the there is not as uh, negative in the, in regards of uh, dealing with people that you don't trust. Is that pairing allows you to see the other person's point of view hmm. because they have to explain to you and you have to explain to them. And there is the, this idea of uh, uh, cross-pollination, maybe, maybe not that much, just the, the fact that you can actually see understand see what they are seeing or understand what what uh, they understand uh, about what they are doing so while if you don't pair program you it's easy for you to say why is this person doing this what is this uh, uh, this code uh, written this specific way I don't understand it. Uh, this is stupid or things like that, which it happens to all of us. Mm. If you're hidden with uh, with another person, then there is a bit more of... Yeah, I understand where, where you're coming from. Maybe you are right, maybe uh, or more correct. Maybe I'm more correct and we can, we can discuss about it and do it in the code and so... And as you say, at the end, the code becomes the truth. And there is a way of for, for both of us to be there and and apply or uh, as I say understand the the other person's uh, thinking, which doesn't happen if you are not pair programming. Even code reviews they are not as good really 
uh, especially if you do a core review just exclusively on your own uh, uh, using a div of the of the files that, mm. that, that doesn't give you any context mm. whatsoever mm. of what is happening so yeah there is there is the, tr the trust that you're gonna build anyway because you still understand how other people think I think that also this whole branch we've gone down touches on another issue that you have to be very humble and you have to be very modest to pay a program. Yeah. There's a lot of, I think in the computer science uh, whole experience in the software industry, I've time and time again seen people who can kind of waffle their way through conversations and you're not completely convinced that they really know what they're talking about. Mm. There's none of it with pair programming. You have to be straightforward and honest because you're about to do this thing in front of someone and you're very quickly going to find out what one another's limitations are. And what happens, do you think, when that person, for lack of a better term, mm. uh, the person gets found out? What kind of reactions have you had <laughs> like, to people like that? It's, it's never as bad as they might imagine it's going to be, right? Mm. It's like that, that. The sooner you get that out of the way, the better. Has anyone had any really bad reactions? Some people really resist pairing, don't they? That's and yeah, but that's a that's a different issue. But during the pairing, I, I haven't had the print during the pairing ever, because it's more like a discussion as you go along, mm. and and it's I haven't been in the position in which you have been someone is being found out. It is oh I didn't understand that this or my knowledge was clearly lacking or whatnot. It's it is more, uh, at least during the pairing session, it has been always a bit more, uh, at least for me, it has been always far more uh, relaxed. There is uh, less confrontation. Mm. It depends, uh, probably it would depend as well on the other people uh, that are, are involved. Um, probably some of uh, you know, uh, group of uh, pairs that don't, they are not going to work really well, but... Uh, How about in, like, uh, pairing interviews? So using pairing mm. as a, a technique during recruitment. So that's, I think those are the occasions when I'm, I, I know that someone's come in for a pairing interview and it's just been obvious that they, mm. everything mm. that was on their CV, everything they said <laughs> over the phone, they can't actually walk the talk, you know. It's yeah, the, the ones that make it through and the ones that we actually work with day to day, it it doesn't apply, but I have um, a specific example of exactly that, which is where I'm basing a lot of my experience of, of mm. the negative side, side right. re reaction, I should say. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 don't no, no, say sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to hear the story. Um, <laughs> I can sanitize it uh, for, for for podcast. <laughs> uh, we we had a well, there was an individual who um, who applied uh, to work with us. Um, much in the case you were talking about, he he had uh, good paper, uh, good good uh, credentials on paper, good experiences. Um, but when we got him into pairing, and it's actually not just this one individual, but he was the most uh, explosive response, shall we say. Um, a lot of uh, he became very very defensive, uh, and one of the immediate things is arguing for the sake of arguing, um, because they don't feel that they can back down with ease. Yeah. Um, and I would add also that uh, I wasn't actually the interviewer and I noticed this from across the room. Uh, you know, I, I saw uh, the interview taking place and you could feel the the anxiety and, and the, the angst coming off of, of this individual. To be fair to the person pairing with him from, from Coherence, 
totally relaxed, totally passive. But this guy felt very much caught out, uh, very much uh, put in, put on the spot, and uh, it didn't it didn't end well. You know, he he got very aggressive, very agitated, and and that was that was scary. And I think he didn't understand the vibe that the Pearson interviewing was was giving, yeah. which was. Uh, I'm relaxed. I'm asking you a question. I don't mind if you don't know. And he mm-hmm. just saw it as this is an interview. I've got to do my damnedest to make it right. Um, and if I look like a fool, then I'm going to feel uh, awful. I think there is, the, yeah. there, the, there is that. There is a different approach when you're doing pairing, uh, pair programming as part of your normal routine, of your normal job. Sure. There is, there is this common, already, uh, already this common understanding of we are trying to move this thing together, mm. complete the... The application, yeah. With uh, someone that is coming as an applicant, it is it is always going to be more difficult because first it is they, as you say, they see it as a, they need to demonstrate themselves. So they see anything as a challenge to them. Well, not no. Okay, okay, not everyone. Everyone, but enough of them. They're gonna see it as, as a challenge, uh, and in some cases, and uh, and I have seen this done by the interviewer when they just knowing that uh, what they are asking is wrong. I mean, the, or, or what they are suggesting is the wrong thing. They kind of keep pushing just because forces the other person to try to defend themselves, mm-hmm. and it is difficult. Mm-hmm. It is difficult to the to defend your way of thinking when you are doing an interview, mm-hmm. when you are. You are not re- as an interviewee. You are not relaxed. Yeah, whatever you and I've been on on both sides, and I've done a lot of. Uh, I've been the leading pair programming uh, interviews a lot, and the other person is always gonna feel defensive because they are not in the same position of power. Mm. One is the one has the keys for the interviewee to. Uh, to go through the through the process, so the just because of that difference of power, there is the the approach is not the same. It's never gonna be the same. While when you're doing programming as you work, there is still some kind of being it's more some balance, but yeah. it's, it's, it's exactly it's, it is more collaborative. This is true. Yeah, I um thinking back to the first time I had pairing during an interview I was pretty inexperienced um, so yeah the first time I I had pairing come during an interview was when I went to ASOS um, and guy uh, James Norton I remember him very fondly um, it blew my mind like I, I hadn't anticipated it the recruiter kind of described what was going to happen but um, I didn't I didn't really know what to expect um, and I felt like it switched the like the dev tools on and he was inspecting my brain, so it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't collaborative programming, but it was um, requiring me to articulate what it was doing, yeah. requiring me to um, uh, yeah ex- ex- explain every decision and kind of um, show him the other things that I'd considered. Um, so I was very used to going really really fast, mm-hmm. um, and he slowed me right down um, and kind of why did you make this decision and you know so. Um, that was really nice, and there was a there were kind of two aspects to to the pairing part of the interview. One of them I was really strong on, one of them I wasn't. Um, and he was so um, kind of pleasant and sportive. Um, but what was vital was 
when I didn't know something, I was just humble, honest, mm. open about it. Mm. And I think the quality that we all assume in, in good professionals is no bluffing. You know, yeah. for, for us, yeah. that's mm. like an interview fail. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that's always been the case in the industry. Like, I imagine there have been some incredible programmers of the past who, you know, if you ever had to, like, um, evaluate them on anything other than, you know, whether or not their code worked, they, you know, they probably wouldn't um, measure up by today's standards. Mm. Um, but, like, yeah, mm. pairing as, as part of recruitment certainly sorts, uh, sorts those people out. When, when do you think you should use it? All the time? Sometimes? I uh, have some opinions about this because we use it all the time uh, on my project right now. Uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a bit odd lately because there's now we have a reduced team. We have three developers right now, which gives us an odd number of people. So we always have one person not pairing. Um, but previously, it's always been we had an even number of people. And unless someone's away, everyone's pairing uh, for every task. The, but recently, I read this article on um, was it Martin Fowler's blog written by uh, a ThoughtWorks person and an ex-ThoughtWorks person. This blog post by Nina and Birgitta, um, and which I'm now as I say it aloud, I'm realizing they pair programmed or pair wrote an article about pair programming. <laughs> uh, but on that, they, they raised a few interesting points about that. And they were saying, uh, well, they described more or less what my team does in my current project as uh, doing programmatic pair programming dogmatically to do it to everything mm. and they were actually advising that you should pair program by default and make yourself aware there will be exceptions and describe you know agree between yourselves what these exceptions will be and look out for them when you're doing refinement and planning maybe say oh, okay this card here doesn't look like one we should pair on it's small we've used this pattern before it's very straightforward we should just use a peer review um, and that's something I'm going to try and bring up going forward because right now we are doing pairing absolutely all the time and I do wonder if we're not uh, if we're not um, uh, being inefficient uh, Before we continue just uh, kind of a small note because the first podcast that we ever did was uh, about a talk by Martin Fowler and it happens to be that when we decided to do this Well, I decided to do this uh, this podcast about pair programming because some person on Twitter, which I will find your name and I will put it on the on the link, <laughs> um, um, for. recommended it, and then we found that this art article uh, was there, which is a great article. Uh, you should read it. I um I read the. Uh, the blog post on the martinfowler.com um, as well. And it is martinfowler.com, right? Yeah. Now we're just plugging so. martinfowler.com, yeah, so. right? That's, that's not <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, is an interesting thing. This uh, kind of annoys me just a little bit because we are talking all the time about, all the time about Martin Fowler, but he's, because he's the brand name, yeah. but he's not the, the one writing the the blog post. Yeah. Actually, mm. Nina and... Vegeta. Vegeta. Nina and Vegeta. Yeah, so excellent post, Nina and Vegeta. Um, yeah, it was really good. And yeah, I I, um, I certainly learned a few things reading that post, and, and one of them was around techniques for kind of when to, when to break off pairing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they mentioned how, you know, if you're just trawling through Google search results, 
um, probably not efficient to pair. And if if anyone's been there, you know it. You feel, hang on, you know this this isn't cool. And if there's anyone close to the team who's not a fan of pairing and sees it as you know developers being inefficient, you kind of feel it at that that moment. Mm. And what what they say is to, you know, if you've got questions, then you you agree your questions um, between yourselves, and then you kind of split up. Um, you you pre-agree kind of when you're going to return. You, you time box your sort of separate investigations and come back. And that's something that, you know, read that and immediately started applying it the next day. Interesting thing, uh, what you say about efficiency, because actually that's what I found personally most useful, is I focus far more on the program at ta- on the uh, task at hand when I am per-programming mm. than when I'm doing it on, on my own. I can get easily into the flow if uh, if I have my headphones on and and whatnot, but as well it's very easy for me to break down, break from the flow. Uh, within a office envi- environment, you have people coming uh, coming around, you have meetings and whatnot. So I find that if I'm doing pair programming, I, it's so much quicker to get back into this flow of creating things, and it keeps you focused on. On doing it, but uh, on my own, I tend to, uh, you know, diverge. <laughs> yeah, we all do. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very significant that they say you you predetermine how long you're going to spend, kind of split up, and you you know when you're going to regroup, and that that helps kind of keep the focus. Mm. We we kind of incidentally do that. My current team, uh, we we always start stand. We always start pairing after stand up. Um, we've never not really an agreed convention, just something that started happening. So we have, depending on when you get, you come in, you have like an hour to 90 minutes uh, before stand-up to do all your individual tasks for a day, respond to your email, this, that, and the other, which is really important. How do you do pair programming? I mean, what's your uh, your approach? Is this our personal preference or well, what well, options well, are available? No, what, what, what are you, personal preference or what... You actually do at the moment for when, whenever you do pair programming, and it's this for people who don't currently pair and would want to start pairing, or, or no, just no, kind no. of yes. day to day. Describe your prefer your flow or your prefer flow, whatever you of the two options you prefer. You you want to talk about? That's fine. Yes, yeah. I think it varies massively depending on the work in front of you. Mm. So if you're working with a tech stack that you're both familiar with, um, and a theme of work that you're both familiar with. I think you would prioritize kind of sharing keyboard time. Um, there are like various kind of documented techniques. Um, ping pong programming's great. You know, one person writes. Um, so I said ping pong, and now I'm like, is is that the same? But yeah, I think, ping, I think ping pong. Yeah, ping one pong person writes the Ping pong's got the red green refactor, right? Mm. Cool. All right, I'll, I'll go again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think pick up where I left off. Um, <laughs> Ping pong programming, where you know one of you would write a a failing test, um, pass the you know the controls over to the other person, they would make it pass. Um, once you're back on green, there's an opportunity to refactor, um, and then having written, uh, having made a test pass, you'd write another test to, that's failing and, and pass pass it around, and that's just really enjoyable. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's amazing for kind of keeping code super lean. Um, and only writing the code that you need to fulfill um, business criteria. Um, it's great for getting the refactoring done kind of you know quick and easy. 
Um, yeah, and it's just just fun. Everyone loves the red and the green lights, right? Yeah. Um, I, I would support if, that. Yeah, yeah and I sure. think if you're in a in a different situation where um, you know maybe you're attempting a knowledge transfer or you're ramping someone up onto a project, there are different techniques there which are uh, you know more appropriate. I would say that my personal preference is to take the ping pong approach um, when program when pair pairing. Um, because it, it keeps everyone engaged in nice intervals. Um, it keeps the code lean. Basically, everything Lawrence has just said, I completely agree. The exception to the rule is that I don't find myself doing it often on actual client work. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that whenever I'm doing a kata, whenever I'm programming for enjoyment, whenever I'm dealing with uh, sort of uh, algorithmic problems, uh, yeah, the ping pong style works great. So if I want to calculate uh, or write a Roman numeral calculator, the nature of the testing for that particular problem is such that ping pong works excellently. There's lots of small, finite unit tests. However, when it comes to client work and you're just doing a generic CRUD application and you've got a story which is like, I need to create an MPI endpoint which accepts this and returns this, I find that the units aren't small enough or um, uh, the functionality isn't conducive to that kind of very Mm -hmm. quick switching. Um, and so ping pong doesn't really become very usable because you could spend the first hour just writing a decent test which covers you from an acceptance perspective. Um, and then if, if you were to only switch at that point, well, the driver's been going for an hour straight, he's probably exhausted. Yeah, the navigator may have already checked out and just decided that he's got no attention left. So while I love ping pong, I find that it doesn't work great for, that, for, for everything. It, mm. it's, it's only for a certain set of things. I was going to make a similar point. I completely agree. We, uh, I, I try to keep an eye out for opportunities where we can apply ping ponging. Uh, <laughs> was that your thumb just breaking? <laughs> <by the> way? <laughs> <laughs> it was marvelous. The sound effect through the headphones was just pristine. <laughs> it was great. Just accidentally cri- cl- cricked my wrist, cracked my wrist. Um, so I, I try to look out for opportunities to d- apply ping ponging, and every now and again, I do find them. And occasionally I'll also finish one we've just done using Driver Navigator regularly, and I'll look back and think, oh, actually that would have been really good for ping-ponging. Mm-hmm. But you do have to be very disciplined for looking out for these things, uh, similarly with any of them really, because I tend to find that we fall into just, okay, Driver Navigator, you drive today, I'll drive tomorrow, you drive today, then we switch, different pairs. This very, very regular pattern we end up sticking to by default. It's only um, it's only if you take the time and energy and discipline to make yourself switch and try other methods that it really that you'll get around to doing it. So, like I said earlier, I've had some success using Pomodoro technique and uh, and using ping ponging, but it's it's only occasional. Most of most of the time, I'm doing uh, the same stuff day in day out, and you have to very intentionally go out of your way to make these other ones happen. It's interesting because I find ping pong that it focuses too much on the the small part of the implementation and not enough on the on the bigger picture. And if you keep changing, you don't keep uh, you don't manage to create a long enough time in which you can process what you are actually doing. Mm. And I find that if you are doing more like a driver navigator in Pomodoros, the person that is being the the navigator who is the one with the keys? Oh. Driver's the keyboard guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Driver's <laughs> the keyboard guy. <laughs> Sorry. 
Remind me never to go in a car journey where you're driving. (laughs) (laughs) You just sat there with a keyboard, like, why is the car not moving? (laughs) So the the navigator has more chances to actually think about the bigger picture of what is going on while discussing with the the driver or or as the driver is is writing code. if it keeps changing is and something that I have talked in one of my blogs recently recently is lots of context changes mm. between one uh, mm. between writing code and trying to think writing code trying to think a bigger picture and you never think about the bigger picture yeah. I, I hear all of you and I do think driver navigator is probably more common so um, you know for those of you listening at home who aren't familiar <laughs> with driver navigator um Obviously, we're, we're talking about, um, well, not obviously, because if it was obvious, I, I wouldn't feel the need to clarify. <laughs> um, but kind of a, a rule set where one of you controls the mouse and the keyboard, um, is writing the code, and is, is focused on kind of the, the you know, the, the tactics of, um, like, getting this immediate bit of code written. And the navigator is kind of a little bit more aloof, able to sit back, um, keep an eye on on you know the the overall direction, um, and think about you know what we might be doing next, um, you know make a few notes and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that is quite common. But I've had some really like sublime experiences um, doing ping pong pairing, and and for me it's almost like the promised land. You know, mm-hmm. you, you know mm-hmm. that you're in a good place when you can spend um, time doing ping pong. And I think a obviously you can have house rules and kind of change them, but if if the two of you were kind of agreed that this is these are the rules that you're going to play by, um, I don't know anything that's so close to being in a state of flow whilst mm, pairing mm, as, definitely. you know, coding by yourself. Agreed. And the rules that I find most helpful are, are not, not interrupting the person when they're writing the the failing test you know because you you know you you both like potentially formidable developers with ideas and you know you quite often ping pong suitable on relatively easy tasks um it's i think red green refactor and kind of really small failing tests um you know really kind of if you can't commit every five minutes you have to throw it away you know that really kind of extreme approach to it um that can be really good for an emergent design for solving problems where you don't really mm. know how you're going to solve it, you just know how you're going to start. Yeah. Um, but I, I think uh, you know the the rule of not interrupting the other person is great because you then have to express yourself through the failing test you're going to write after you've made their test pass. Mm. So you can actually like not really need to talk to each other, and there's so much respect there when you you just you accept that they've written a good test and you immediately attempt to make it pass. And then you offer up a failing test that potentially they didn't think of, and they go, "Wow, that's really cool." You know, so you still get that. Um, you get one of the benefits you get from being in a navigator role, um, albeit for a short period of time, where you can kind of like, you can just purely think, and you don't have to do anything. You can just kind of see see the gaps that the other person might not be seeing. So this is interesting to me then, because when I talk about ping pong. I don't actually, uh, for me, it's more of a um, a uh, description of when places switch. But for you, it sounds like you actually have, the, the navigator has an entirely different role in ping pong. 
Uh, whereas for me, navigator and driver still take the same uh, roles, um, but ping pong dictates the point at which they switch and the nature in which causes the switch, if that makes sense. It, right. but it doesn't change the roles themselves. And once the switch has taken place and people have switched roles, the driver becomes navigator, navigator and driver, they still keep doing the same things they would do as if it wasn't ping pong, um, but they've just had a contact switch. So, so how does it change for you? How, do, how Does a navigator become something significantly different in ping pong than if it was a regular driver-navigator situation? Or? I'm I'm not sure if I understood, but um, I'll so take a shot. One, at, of, one yeah. of the sorry, just to clarify, sure. uh, one of the things you the points you made was that when you tried to ping pong, you, you encourage um, encourage the person writing the test to not be interrupted. I.e., you try not to interrupt them when they're writing a the test, and that they express uh, the desire for the driver to attempt w- without saying words necessarily. Although right. I'm sure that's so, not that yeah. strict. I'm I'm with you, and I could just be talking to experiences I've had in the past which aren't necessarily true in all cases of ping pong. Mm. But, yeah, I think with a normal driver-navigator scenario, you might, you know, you might swap the keyboard um, every half an hour or so. Mm. Um, it's it's really interesting to hear about this this idea of, you know, only swapping, like, sort of every day. Because mm. um, one of the things that pairing reminds me of is playing computer games with your friend when you were, like, 12 or whatever. And, you know, if you, if you don't have a two-player game and you have to swap who's playing... I'll I'll play today and you watch, and tomorrow, like you can play and I'll watch like that. Oh, did I say the same thing on both days? I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, like I I I kind of feel like I'm hogging it if I'm the only one on the keyboard sure. for the entire day. Um, but with with ping pong, I think you know you, you your your swaps are much faster, um, and I I think all of us have pairing and TDD kind of very closely um, associated, and I was taught. Um, I feel as though I was taught them at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I did a um, Pedro did the software craftsmanship course at ASOS, and that's yeah. where I started to get some formal knowledge around these things. And um, you know, write the simplest, um, the simplest possible failing test that fulfills um, business criteria. Mm. Write the simplest possible implementation code to make it pass. Mm. Um, you know, mm. those kind of rules. So we had this very small number of rules, um, and. One of them, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where it came from, was, you know, I think we just found, I'm thinking of a particular pair, um, and we, we found that it was more enjoyable if we stopped interrupting each other, and we just let the other person do their thing. You're going to get a go. During your go, you're going to point that, that thing out for them. Um, and, we you know, that, that, that just worked for us and took us to, like, really nice kind of place of, of respect. And you get that wonderful feeling of, like, no one's got another test to write mm. and you're like oh are we done yeah all right let's look it in the browser oh my god it actually works like, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> that's a really stimulating way of doing ping pong i might actually give that a try one time that's certainly i've never tried it uh, as uh hands off i guess uh, as that or, or as, as respectfully as that that's probably a better yeah. way of saying it you know nearly always when i'm writing the test for the other person we'll have a brief discussion about what we want to achieve I'll write the test and then I'll we'll switch. Yeah. Um, whereas your way is it's almost like a bit more of a game. Like it, it's like yeah. it's almost like a challenge response, challenge response, challenge response. Yeah. I like that. That's really cool. To an extent, I think you both need to be in your comfort zone. You know, you both need to know kind of what you're doing. If if you're getting mm. kind of hung up on the language or the mm. library you're using, whatever it is, then you know it it can be harder to do. That makes sense. Um, but if you're both in your comfort zone, you just don't know how you're gonna implement this particular thing, and you're keen to kind of give it a shot. 
um, goes very nicely. It's exhausting, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. Okay, so one last thing that I wanted to, co- to talk about. Do you switch computers? Do you use all the time the same computer? Uh, when you're doing ping pong, probably you need, actually need to be all the time on the same mm. Not necessarily. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily agree with that yeah, either, no. actually. Because yeah. I, I, quite often the commits, there's a kind of cadence to the commits. Yeah. And like some people commit while they're on red, some people will just, as soon as they're back on green, that's a commit right mm. there. So there's the potential to switch you know, computers at you know, any point throughout the day. Mm. I mean, uh, of course I'm saying this because from my... <laughs> I, I don't know if you have noticed, but I am an Emacs user. <laughs> Most I thought I detected a slight accent. Yeah, yeah I, heard, I heard that from a mile off. Um, so yeah, it is. Uh, I I can use other. I have used uh, before IntelliJ. I have used uh, Visual Studio, but right now, after using Emacs constantly for the for the last year and a half, two years, I actually find difficult to go back to places where I cannot be as fast moving around the code mm. as I can be on, on Emacs or using the, which is one of the uh, good things about IntelliJ, I can use the IntelliJ, I can use the B, uh, B plugin to have the same yeah. kind of uh, functionality. But it's just, it makes, I guess, annoys me not, be, not to be able to be as fast. And as well, as it happens to be with the, uh, two different Emacs users, they will not have the same key bindings. Mm. Therefore, they cannot use each other's uh, mm. uh, system very easily. So when I have done pair programming in the past, I do tend to adapt myself to what the other person is using. But I, I have used as well that the idea of, especially when doing full Pomodoros, I write my, uh, I'm the driver, I'm writing on, on my computer, then just, uh, commit push and then the other person can down, download the code do it on the, the computer so there is no need for anyone to do any kind of context sw- switching if everyone is using IntelliJ because everyone wants to use IntelliJ uh, that's fine or Visual Studio or, 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 or why not but yeah so I, I think I like micro commits as well I like to mm. commit frequently I love to throw away um, all of my changes if mm. I, I'm not going anywhere, you know, so I like to be able to get back to a, the previous commit and I like to push um, before I leave the desk because, you know, you know, you might get hit by a bus on your way to the toilet. You never know. Never know. <laughs> um, It'd be good to yeah. toilet because I'm going to one on the same floor, but I mean, maybe there's a better one across the street. I don't know. <laughs> there's a really good one in the pub. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of, I think... There's so many of these um, forms of best practice that kind of um, feed into one another. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's really good. It it, it feels nice when, um, I don't know, you, you don't get out of a meeting too late and you can kind of say to your pair, um, you know, carry on without me, pick up with someone else. You should never really have important code that's not remote. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, switching to other people's machines. I, the, the guy that um, I was saying had the the most sublime pairing experiences with, I'm, I'm going to drop his name as well, so uh, Michael Burson. If you were listening to this, you would probably already think, is he talking about me? Um, <laughs> so he he re, he taught himself um, Colmac, so a completely different keyboard layout. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Right. 
So, you know, anyone would come over, pair with him, go on his keyboard, and if we'd forgotten to switch it back into, like, you know, a QWERTY, then um, it's it just amusing again and again. And, um, yeah, so you, you, you kind of... It's easy to work around these things, mm. either by being able to kind of easily switch for the some person that's using your computer into something um, vaguely normal, or just, you know, just move desks. It's, it's good mm. to stand up, you know, every few minutes. Okay. Uh, last words? Uh, I like pairing. It is good. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you mean? Last words or in relation to the question in general? Um, last In relation to the question, I would say yeah, that yeah, yeah. in general. Um, no, I, I think I think I, I, I'm wholeheartedly behind pairing. I, I think that there hasn't been a case where it hasn't had a positive impact on a team, on a project, on a piece of work, on anything. I, I don't see how it can be... Um, seen as as a bad decision i think it can be done in bad ways hmm. but that doesn't mean that that you can't learn how to do it better and i think if you know people who who have been formally trained in it um it's a very very good practice yeah Matthew? Hmm. um yeah i'm i largely agree i'm very much behind programming uh the last couple of notes i was gonna throw out were i wanted to reiterate again what's in the martin fowler article at the very end they talk about a concept that I really like. They say that it's essentially, in, in very, very short form, that pair programming is good but not easy. That a lot of people don't like to do pair programming and get turned away from it quickly because they find, oh, it's not comfortable, it's not easy, it doesn't come easily. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to produce better results. And if it does produce better results, then that's worth it, right? And we should, uh, as seeking professional mastery, we should... Uh, follow that path we should uh, train ourselves to do that if it does deliver results we hope for and I think it does Lawrence uh, if you if you're not pairing yet if you haven't managed to kind of get that into your career and you, you want to if you you know it sounds great but you've never experienced it then just you know keep trying I think one of the best things about um, best practice is we all eventually can become aware of the same best practice and I think Pairing is kind of part of best practice, so you know, keep keep trying, keep looking, find a find a better job, you know, work with some <laughs> better people, and um, you know, eventually you you know you'll you'll get to kind of experience pairing like um, really well firsthand. But it's not a binary thing. It's not like you know some people know how to pair, other people don't. It's something that um, I think all of us are kind of continually <laughs> learning and improving and getting better at and better at introducing other people to it and better at doing it when we're in a bad mood you know all of these kind of things okay uh thank you all three of you for coming to the podcast today and thank you our listeners for still being here <laughs> bye bye